Hello creatives, Jay here, and you are listening to episode 17 of 99% Perspiration. When the wind blows echoes of the sound This is a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice with today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the confidence and the know-how to turn your creative calling into a career. I am very much blown away by the two guests I've got in store for you this week for two different reasons. You'll see why. Firstly, Diane Gray. Every radio station's got a different kind of technology to work with, but all of it is experience that you gain on the way. You get to learn how to talk to people or interview people, um, putting a radio program together. (laughs) Diane works at Hive Radio, which is situated at Beadsworld and is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know of of another one, but um, I believe it is the only radio station based at a museum in the UK. Even if you do something like, like volunteering like I've done, go off, do that bit of volunteering, and if the opportunity arises, just go for that leap of faith because you can always go back to working in a mundane job if you really have to. It's a community radio station and as such, Diane is in charge of not just running the radio station but also making sure that all of the volunteers who spend their time there training up on radio making sure they all get the best out of their time volunteering at the radio station and they get something out of it whether it's about radio training or storytelling or both and when the sun beats down on your skin and the scent of grass still lingers in this is richie jones And Richie Jones is 19. He's studying music production. And um, at the beginning of the year, he won quite a prestigious music competition called Open Mic. Obviously writing all my own stuff, I wanted to go on and see what people thought of my music. And I was getting people who were high up in the music industry telling me what they thought of my music, which for me was just perfect. So I think Open Mic was a a really great competition. Baby, you're Richie will be telling you more about Open Mic, about his ambitions and the project that he's working on at the moment later in the podcast. As usual, you can find us on Twitter at 99podcast. You can visit the website, which is 99podcast.com or on Facebook, we have a group where you can network with other creative types who, who listen to the podcast. It's wonderful seeing the group develop over time and people are commenting even when I'm not there people are not just promoting their stuff but also working together and I've seen a few people say oh yes I'm interested in working with you on this and I'd like to join with you and work on this and it's good to see that kind of activity in the group it means that this is working even if just a couple of cases it's working episode 17 now and we've kept to a pretty not a rigid formula but we've had a a similar framework throughout and um, looking to change things up a bit. In the Facebook group, people have commented about how they'd like uh, podcasts that are more workshop-based. 
So people delivering workshops on how to do pitching or how to write a good media CV or the fundamentals of marketing, etc. That kind of thing. But if you do have something that you want to hear from the show, something that you think you could benefit from, then just let us know. Again, come join us on the Facebook group and uh, join in the conversations. So that's 99% Perspiration Creative Community. Do you want me to tell you my story? I'd love to hear it. Right, okay, well, I uh, I worked in a in a manufacturing industry, working in the offices uh, for, it was nearly 30 years altogether, 25 years in one place. And I got to a stage where I was doing the job day in, day out, and weekends, my family had grown up, and I was sitting around doing very little, because I hate housework, and (laughs) so I volunteered to go and work at Beadsworld on the weekends or whenever I could to do whatever. I really wasn't bothered. They did some training for a new community radio station that was starting up. And I was on holiday at the time from work, so I thought, oh, I'll go along. I might be able to do a bit of paperwork, something like that. I've never, ever thought about going on radio. What I did was I thoroughly enjoyed the training. We had the first broadcast in the late November, beginning of December. I can't remember the exact date. And I was there and I went around and I collected Vox Pops and edited them and got them ready about what was happening in the museum on that day. And then the last hour I was told, you're going on air live and you're going to be asking questions. And it was, no, I'm not. No, you're not getting me in there. So anyway, I ended up, I, I was told I had no choice. And I went on with Cassie, who's the, the director of the radio. And we did some interviews with some people that were at the museum. One was a weaver talking about her walls and weaving and I couldn't resist asking a couple of questions because I'm quite nosy like that but when I came off I felt fantastic I had a I really did get a buzz out of doing it I really did and I thought yeah I'm going to come along and do some more of this just help out and see what I can do no idea where it would end up and in the following spring there was the opportunity came up to actually take on a role within the radio And I took a huge leap of faith and I left that job of 25 years and came in to do, to see what I could do to help on the radio. And I did say that I would like some training. So this is a plug for Sunderland as well, really. But um, I came along to an open day for the MA for radio production and management and thinking, an MA? Me? I'll never do this. Somehow I got persuaded to do it. I really don't know how. I really can't. I'm still still wondering how this is all. A, sometimes I still think it's a bit of a dream. And eventually I'm going to have to go da- back and do a proper job. So I came along and I did an MA in radio and production to collect together some training on doing radio. And I passed that last December. And since then, trying very hard to, uh, to make as much radio as possible. At the moment, I'm busy with trialling workshops to be able to take the community radio out into community groups, show them how to make programmes or enable them, facilitate them really in making their own programmes. And they are making pieces of radio on a subject that they choose and we help them with showing them how to do recording and editing and putting a programme together or a piece of radio together. And so far so good. We're getting exceptionally good feedback and... It's something that I think might have legs. Communities doing their own radio is fantastic. 
My name's Richard Jones, and I won this year's open mic. It's basically a singing competition, but for me it was really cool because it's uh, you allowed the freedom of. I am, I am, I'm obviously a songwriter as well, and I write all my own stuff. And you had the freedom to go and sing your own stuff in front of people that could like, potentially really move you on in your career. So for me, it was really cool. Again, it's just it's just a singing competition, but really great things can come of it. So the biggest example would be Birdie. I mean, Birdie is absolutely flying now, isn't she? So I suppose she's the, a big example of what can happen. I mean, if I was ever if I was to have half the career of Birdie, I would be very happy. So I have quite an old school approach to music. I mean, at the end of the day, I I, I believe that. As long as you write great songs, um, eventually they'll get heard. So, and I'm I'm getting a bigger and bigger collection of songs. I'm I'm quite I'm quite critical about myself when it comes to which of my songs I think are good. But I'm getting a good collection of songs that I kind of know are good. I feel like I'm quite old school in terms of that. I feel like it's just um, only one song can change your career. So hopefully, eventually, I will write that song, and it will happen to me. Hopefully. Then baby, you're. It all started when I was about 10. Uh, I started with the saxophone when I was 10. It was a bit stupid, really. I watched one of the American Pie films, which was I shouldn't really have been watching at 10. But after watching that, at the end of the film, there was a guy playing a saxophone. And I went, I went to my mum and I was like, oh, I want to play the saxophone. And it was coming up to Easter. And instead of getting me an Easter egg, she hired me a saxophone for a month. And I just took to it really quick. And that's where my music started. And then from the age of like 12, I just took to the saxophone really quick. I mean, I've got a million and a half hits on the, on the on YouTube of the saxophone and they were recorded when I was only like 13 years old. So, But then after that, I started writing music at about 14 and I thought if I'm going to write, originally for the saxophone, and I thought if I'm going to write music, I'd like to write songs as well. So I started playing the piano, started dabbling with the guitar, but I started the guitar properly about 18 months ago and then I started singing about 18 months ago as well. So... I started playing the guitar and the piano originally too, just so as I could write proper songs, and that's where it all started really. But it started with the saxophone, which is a lot of people don't actually know about me, but it's pretty cool. When I was a young lad, I think I had the wow factor of, of, with my saxophone. So when I was like 12, 13, I was literally playing all over the country, like I was playing in London all the time, um, playing at big corporate events. And I was, earning, I was earning quite a lot of money because I had the wow factor of being young. And then in terms of the saxophone, I think when I got a bit older, now I've got a beard and everything, I think I think the kind of wow factor of being a little, cute little boy sort of worn off. But yeah, I feel like now since winning the competition, my saxophones took a bit of a back step and I focus more on my songwriting and my singing. But I do actually, I do love it. I do love them equally, but I'm just as passionate about all of them. So whichever one was to be lucky enough to take off, if it happened, I'd be happy, more than happy with. I'm, I'd, I write mainly, if I was to describe my style i mean when i'm on my own obviously i play acoustically and it's mainly folk country folk country rock folk rock that sort of stuff like very easy listening sort of style and the scent of grass still lingers in the wind it really gave me a good grounding in what i needed to know This is Diane Gray talking about the year she spent studying a master's in radio production and management. In all honesty, I'd come from a 
all right, a management role. And so I, I knew a little bit about time management. I know a bit about production planning and things like that. But to actually chain, turn that so it's being used on something for the radio, I really needed something to consolidate that in my head. And I learned a lot from from the tutors here and the students, to be honest, because they've all had radio experience that I hadn't had. And that knowledge was really sort of a good transfer of knowledge, I like to think. It was well worth coming. And like I say, I would never have thought of writing a radio play if I hadn't come and done this MA. But now, look where we are with it. You know, it's it really was very, very useful. And what can I say? I was lucky enough to win an award as well. I won the Charles Parker Prize, silver Charles Parker Prize, for a piece that I did while I was studying. And I am so proud of that. I forget about it sometimes. I keep thinking I should remind myself that actually I did really quite well. So I must have a little bit of um, bit of a knack to do this sort of thing. And I want to keep on doing it because I get so much pleasure out of it. When your heart aches and your legs can't take the strain When I came to uni, I really enjoyed making the drama. I did hate writing it, I will say. I couldn't get my head around that. But I did really enjoy the rest of it, doing the recording and the editing. All the production side of it was great. And this story came, kind of fell in my lap, really, where uh, I was talking to some this guy who had a story about his grandfather being on a train crash 100 years ago this year. And he told me about the fact that there's a mass grave for the people that died on it because they couldn't recognise them because they, there was a fire on the train because of um, it being gas lit and they had trouble identifying the bodies and it kind of sparked off a little bit of interest in my head and I met another lady, known her for a little while now Lorna, Lorna Wyndham who's a, a writer and we had a chat about this story and thought, well, maybe we could come up with a drama loosely based on the idea about this uh, train crash. And so we spent a bit, we spent quite a bit of time together working on it. And we've now come up with this this play that it's based in the north of England in 1915. And it talks a little bit about the lives of the factory workers, the rail workers and soldiers that were around at the time. It's linked around the idea that they all end up on the station at the same time to get onto this train and how their lives sort of are affected by it. And what we've kind of classed it as is almost a, a community collective making it. So we've made, we've written it, we're going to be recording and producing it, but we've also had a local musician come along and he's heard the story and he's written a a folk song based on the story that we've written and some music which is going to be used as part of the production of the play and then also a local artist that also works um he, he volunteers at hive who has drawn the logo for us and the actors were asking for people to volunteer from the local community to be part of it 
and linking in with it we're going to be talking to talking to um the guy john caffrey who has produced he's done all the research into the actual the real historical facts of everything and he's working on a the hope that he's going to get a plaque produced to name the people that were they were identified in the newspapers the names are listed there just not physically identified and he's looking to get a plaque put up commemorating them so we've been working with him and we're going to interview him and his family are also descendants of somebody that was on the train so we're going to have a talk to him about the fact that he's descended from somebody that was on the train and we're hoping to find other people out there as well and just sort of make it a real community group working together to produce something hopefully it'll be good fun and great to listen to at the end of it and all being well it will be well the plan is to broadcast it um that maybe the friday before the anniversary of the of the train crash but also on the day of the train crash we'll go through a, a on hive community radio playing it out um along with all the different interviews that we're hoping to have captured by then i think you've got to be careful about what you go on but i think oh for me open mic is good open mic's brilliant because it's just i mean it's not like you don't get the stereotype of being on a tv show but also you get the opportunity to to perform in front of people that like a career potentially career changing and for me it was it was mint because obviously writing all my own stuff i wanted to go on and see what people thought of my music and i was getting people who were High up in the industry, high up in the music industry, telling me what they thought of my music, which for me was just perfect. So I think open mic was a, was a really great competition. A lot, a lot of emphasis is put on now, like young lads always go on like the X Factor and things like that. And I, I, I'm quite like I say, I'm quite old school, and you don't have to rely on competitions because, like I said, I think if you write great music, eventually it will get heard. Um, but for me, open mic was mint. It was a great experience, and I would recommend the competition to anyone because. At the end of the day, you've got nothing to lose, really. It was a great competition, and you're playing in front of people who could really push your career forward, which is cool. Shows like The X Factor, I mean, don't get me wrong, people have big careers and get big fan bases from going on the show. But I also feel like a lot of people rush into going onto them. I mean, a lot of young people, as soon as they realise that they can sing, they go on the show. But I think you kind of, if you are going to choose to go down that route, you need to give yourself time to really discover your sound and realize who you are i mean i've wrote i've wrote hundreds of songs not hundreds that i'm happy with i've probably wrote a dozen songs that i'm happy with and after writing a hundred songs i only feel like the last four months i've really realized what sort of music i should be playing and what i like to play and i only feel like recently i've discovered what my sound is but i have no doubt that in two or three years time it will have been tweaked and changed slightly than it is now so i feel like you just if you are going to take that route you need to be sure of who you are as a artist and where you're going before you choose to take that route because you obviously you only get one chance to make a big first impact so i think if that's the route that you plan to take you've kind of got to make sure you're 100 ready before you do it I, I started music for the love of it i mean I, the music industry is hard but no i wouldn't change anything i think if you like if you're in it there's obviously big ups and downs if in in the music industry but i feel like that's just part and parcel of it but the love for music outweighs that really i mean so no, I wouldn't really think I would change anything if I had a, had a crystal ball and seen, seen what it was going to be like. I wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, I'm just I'm just starting my career now, so hopefully things start to happen for me. But if they don't happen anytime soon, I'm still going to gig as much as I possibly can because I just love music so much. So no, I wouldn't change anything really. And that's why I'm studying producing, so I've got kind of a backup plan, which is still going to be something that I love just as much. So. Mm-hmm. 
I'm excited in July. I start recording my EP, which is which I'm really excited about. I've picked four songs, four or five songs out of my set, out of my songs that I've written that I like the most, and I'm going to be recording my, my EP, which is exciting. Which I'll be obviously trying to get promoted as much as I possibly can. And like like I said about great songs, hopefully one of the songs on my EP is heard by the right person who thinks it's a great song. Hopefully. Um, and apart from that, just yeah, I'm just going to stick at it, keep keep gigging loads, keep doing sessional music, um, and just pushing it everywhere I can. Take a leap of faith. Go out there and see, even if you do something like, like volunteering like I've done, to try it out and see if it's something that you can do. Go off, do that bit of volunteering, do that bit of practice. You know, if you're, if you're an artist, go out and find yourself an art studio that might let you have some time. If you're an actor, go along and volunteer for community acting. You know, there's, there's lots of little groups around that you can join in. Go for it, give it a go. And if the opportunity arises, just go for that leap of faith because you can always go back to working in a mundane job if you really have to. I can't say that it's a mundane job. Everybody's got jobs that they like. And some people just want that little bit more. And if the opportunity arises, grab it with both hands. It's worth every penny of it and never regret doing it. I look back now and I look at the songs that I first wrote and I think, oh God, they're horrendous. Especially songwriting, it's just something that you've really got to stick to and just, you get better and better and better and better at it. I mean, when I was young, I was missing loads of time from school to do football because obviously I was in a big academy and I was, I had hopes to go on and be a professional, which happened in the end. So I was missing a lot of school and I missed a lot of English, so my literature wasn't brilliant. So when I did start songwriting at first, my, I found I was quite limited with my with my vocabulary. So I started reading up on like poetry and stuff like that, which generally isn't my sort of thing, but it made me a lot more, gave me a lot broader vocabulary. And my songwriting just got a million times better over the space of about three months, just because I basically got better at the English language. So I suppose a bit of advice for a songwriter is concentrate in English. I also asked Diane about community radio. How beneficial is it to people who are looking for a job in radio? Does it give you the kind of skills that you need to transfer into a real-world radio job? I know, for instance, places like Capital, where Alex Burgess on episode 11 of 99% Perspiration works. It's completely different to the experience of most community radio stations. Or does she agree with Caroline Mitchell's advice from back in episode 9 of 99% that they're an easy access point for people in the community to learn about the fundamentals of radio? I think it's quite um, a good way to get some practice in. You volunteer, you learn a lot of the, the little principles of working on radio, you get to work with some of the technology that's used. Every radio station's got a different kind of technology to work with. But all of it is experience that you gain on the way. You get to learn how to talk to people or interview people, um, putting a radio programme together. Like I say, we, we aim to do a lot more talking by because we want people to tell their stories. But if you're interested in music, there are lots of other community radio stations that like to have musical programmes on. It's the same, well, we do. We like We like music, but we like people to tell the story of the music 
not just play the music. So it's ways of getting experience of actually being part of radio. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting in front of a microphone. You can do help with the editing. You can help with all the um, the work that goes on behind the scenes. You can help with doing interviews and gradually build up to what you want to do. And most community radio stations will offer some training for you. I think it's a, it is, it's a good grounding for you if you want to go on and do stuff in any of the media. Even working on social media as well, that help, that's something that's becoming more and more prominent. And multi, multi-platform, because we don't just man, manage it as a radio station, we try to put stuff out, or we do put the odd thing out on YouTube. Um, we do take pictures, we do do video, things like that. So you can use all these different different skills and get experience at them that would stand you in good stead if you wanted to go on and do other things. Radio journalism as well, going out and doing, getting people's stories, getting people the news items around. It's all very good experience for you. And I wanted to ask Richie how he's feeling as he gears himself up for the recording stage of his new EP. Well, I start recording in July sometime as I'm studying producing myself. I know I've got some really great songs on there, some it's like folk, country, rock sort of style, but modern. So I can't really put a, put a, a time on how long it when, it when it will be ready because the songs are good and I want them to be great when I've done them. So I'll spend a lot of time on the producing side of it. Even when, even once I've recorded them, I mean, I'll make sure they're absolutely perfect before it happens. So I can't put my finger on a day that they are going to be released 100% yet, but it should be before the end of the year, which would be really cool. So I can't really see myself doing anything else, to be honest. I mean, I know everybody says this, but I can't see myself doing anything else because there's nothing else I enjoy so much. And it wouldn't, for me, it wouldn't be a job. I mean, when I was playing football, I was kind of, it was kind of a bit of a chore at times. Whereas with music, if someone said to me, oh, you've got to go this end of the country tonight, this end of the country tomorrow, this part of the world the next day, I would love it. Like, it just wouldn't be a job for me. It would just be, like, amazing. I mean, until now, I would literally do I'd do things for free because I enjoy them that much. But obviously, when I want to buy a flat or something, you've got to earn a little bit of money as well. But I just I just love it. So for me, it means a lot for me to just be full-time, whether, whatever that is, whether that's a full-time session musician or full-time touring musician myself it would just just be mint I mean I can't really see myself doing anything else when the wind blows a huge thank you to both of our guests this week to Diane Gray from Hive Radio and to Richie Jones and I interviewed Richie last month before I went to the States so hopefully by now you are working on your EP and it's making some progress Hopefully it's out by the end of the year. I recommend you check him out. He's a fantastic music artist. And the thing that I love about Diane's story is she was working in an industry for 30 years that, yes, it did her well, but it wasn't where her passion lied. It wasn't what she wanted to do. And even after 30 years, Diane was able to take a risk and follow the creative pursuit that she wanted. If you want to find out more about Diane or Richie, then get your notepad and pen ready. Or your notepad on your phone or tablet, (laughs) if that's the kind of notepad you use. For Richie, you can head to richiejones.com, that's R-I-C-H-I jones.com. Or on YouTube, he's got tons of videos, mostly of his old saxophone work. 
But if you head to the Aunt Sofa series of videos, which is an awesome series, I recommend you check them out if you love live acoustic music. Uh, he did a track there called Temptation. So search for Temptation, Richie Jones, and you'll find it. And now for Diane Gray and Hive Radio. On Twitter, they are at radio underscore hive. And to find them online and listen live, you can head to hiveradio.org. As always, a huge thank you to listening to episode 17 of 99% Perspiration. It's a labour of love and one that keeps me up late at night sometimes. And, and sometimes I hate it. Because, <laughs> because I just want to go to sleep. But, um, but that's why I make this. Because even on the days when I just want to throw my computer against the wall, or when I've had so much coffee that I'm buzzed out of my head, I know the next day is going to be awesome because there'll be a new episode of the podcast ready for you to listen to. And as always, thank you so much for listening to 99% Perspiration. Um, if you're listening via iTunes, I'd love if you could leave us a rating just to let us know how the show is going. And if we get enough ratings, it may start listing. So I encourage you to uh, lend me your support and be awesome. Oh, but that's not my line, though. Until next time. Stay productive. Stay awesome. Stay productive. Stay awesome. Wow.